Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on Catch and Shoot 2.0, the race for the four seed in the East is on. Heating up with several teams vying for home court advantage in the first round. One of those teams is the Boston Celtics, and we'll be breaking down their chances with someone who follows them on a nightly basis. And no, we don't mean our own Bruce Bernstein. But first, Darlene, get us started. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who's covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Welcome to Catch and Shoot 2.0. I am Otto Strong. There is no Aaron Berlin this week. So, filling in, we have the king of content, our own Bruce Bernstein. Bruce, what's going on? Uh, I'm still licking my wounds after Sunday afternoon's debacle against the Charlotte Hornets, which was uh, depressing in a major way for a Celtics fan to watch them get beaten up by that. But, hey, listen, you know, we're still tied with the Lakers all time, your team, one of your teams, for most championships. And you had some good news recently, Otto, for your Lakers, Anthony Davis, back on the court. Uh, definitely some good news. And, and for my other adopted team, the, the uh, Dallas Mavericks, uh, <laughs> seeing as how on the uh, sports editor for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. But yes, uh, the Lakers definitely had, had a dose of good news. Um, you know, he looked uh, not great, you know, c- coming out of the gate. But that's to be expected. I mean, 30 games off, it's a, it's a, it's a long time. Um, but I was pleased to see uh, Dallas get a couple of wins because I like what's going on there. Um, I like how they're playing. It's, you know, we, we, no Porzingis. Uh, Porzingis played the first, first uh, those two games, and he didn't play in the Saturday night game, and I thought that that might be a, a heading into a loss, but um, it became a, a, a two-man show between uh, Luca and, uh, and Dwight Powell, and, and he's just kind of off to the races. But um, what, was, what was your take on, on – you know, this whole issue of Anthony Davis back on the floor and no LeBron and the Lakers are in trouble. Like, what, what, what do you think? Well, obviously, no LeBron means no deep playoff run for the Lakers and certainly no championships. So whatever has to happen for him to hit the postseason healthy is exactly what's going to happen. And I don't think anybody knows themselves better than LeBron James. So, And he's well aware. I mean, LeBron's the smartest kid in class. He knows every aspect of what's going on. He knows his own body. He knows the situation the team's in. He knows what it takes to be successful in the playoffs. And the whole home court thing for me with the Lakers, they just got to get to the playoffs healthy and playing reasonably good ball because that's a team that can win games on the road. And really, if you think about it, Avery Johnson, the former uh, coach in San Antonio Spurt, told me one time, home court advantage is can be very overrated because all it really means is that you got to win one playoff game on the road. And if you expect to be a championship team, you have to be able to win games on the road. So 
for a team like the Lakers that have been there and done that, I think whatever else happens, as long as LeBron hits the postseason in good health, they're going to be fine. But uh, there's another team across town in Los Angeles, much like uh, the Knicks will always own New York, no matter how good Brooklyn is. The Lakers will always own L.A., no matter how well the Clippers play. And they're playing pretty well, Otto. They are definitely playing pretty well. I mean, with 11 of 12 games uh, heading into Monday night against against um, the, the Pelicans. I mean, that's 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 some rarefied air. I mean, look, they're in a, in a stacked Western Conference. I mean, they're they're two games behind the Jazz, tied with the Suns. Uh, of course, these these standings will will flip <laughs> several times, or and everybody listening to the sound of our voices knows that. But um, I mean, I I do like what the Clippers are doing. But I'm again, I, I gotta say, I, I'm a show show me show me in the postseason. I'm I'm not I'm not buying this, you know, just yet. The thing about the Clippers that I think people should understand is that. You know, it's funny, Dave Wall, who hosts Dave's Front Office, uh, one of our other shows here at Pure Hoops Media, was the former GM of the Clippers and has been around the NBA for 50 years. And what he was, has been saying ever since last year was, when you add, make the additions to a team like PG-13 and Kawhi Leonard coming at the same time, a lot of times it's their second year together, that's when they're ready to achieve real success. The first year can be difficult. I mean, it happened in Miami when LeBron went there. They didn't win the first year. They won the second and third year. Sure. So there is an adjustment period. Both have missed significant number of games this year with injuries. In fact, each of them through Sunday had missed 16 games each, you know, out of the 62 that they've played. So they've had, and, and you know, they've had role players play pretty well for them. I mean, you know, Avika Zubats has been, you know, pretty effective backup big. They recently signed uh, Boogie Cousins, Sergi Baca, right, who was their big offseason acquisition. He's missed the last 22 games. Do you know what their record is without him? Uh, really good. <laughs> 18 and four. Hello. 18 yeah. and four without Serge Ibaka. So I would say that the Clippers are in very good shape. Marcus Morris has given them good minutes. Uh, they seem to be, you know, uh, they're a really good road team, 19 and 11 on the road. You know, that's a good sign for a playoff team to be, uh, to be a good road team. So, uh, uh, but then there's, you know, 3,000 miles east, Otto. I mean, you know, your Knicks. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I just, I mean, part of me just can't get my brain around the fact that they've, what, nine straight longest winning streaks since 2013. Man, I mean, it's, it's it. So, you know, as well as I do, you know, working with NBA as long as you have, if the garden had 20,000 people in the night, if this were not COVID times, it, it's, it's like all people would be talking about the spring. Am I, am I right? I mean, like, cause that, that's, that's what happens when the Knicks get good. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, nine straight and they've got, you know, they've, they've definitely got some winnable games. They were, they were a four seed, which is, which is crazy. I like, I can't believe that this is actually happening. <laughs> and, uh, and look, I, I think they're, they, they seem like, you know, as long as there's no collapse, it feels like they will be, uh, you know, in the first six and not have to deal with a playing game and they get to sit back and kind of see who's, see who's going to be coming at them. But I mean, they are playing tremendous and their defense is just, you know, stellar. I mean, did you, now we, we the last time we talked about the Knicks and the Celtics, I can give you a little crap here. You said, you said that they were, they were basically running neck and neck. You said, well, they won't be neck and neck for long. And you were right, except they're going in the opposite direction. So um, how are you feeling? 
do I, do I need, do I need, do I need to, do we need to get the, the shrink out or like, <laughs> listen, man, I, first of all, I have a great appreciation for the Tom Thibodeau effect on their team. They have, uh, they put in the effort. They work hard. As you said, their defense has been stellar. Julius Randle, right? Seems like he's been in the league a hundred years, right? He's 26 years old. His best basketball may still very well be in front of him. And we know that the youngster, R.J. Barrett, age 20, which interestingly enough, their two best players are both left-handed. That's really unusual. You mm -hmm. almost never see that. I don't know if that, that could be one of those not-for-nothing sort of comments, but still, people probably don't realize it. But one of the great under-the-radar moves that that team made was bringing in Derrick Rose to come off the bench and yep. occasionally start games. He is averaging almost 14 a game in basically a bench role. And since he's been on the team, they're 16 and nine. So they're, you know, I think he's really had a very beneficial veteran impact. Uh, and listen, all credit to Leon Rose and to uh, the, the front office and certainly Thibodeau and Julius Randle, you know, if he's not the most valuable player in the league, and I don't think he's going to be, he might be the most improved player in the league. And that's saying something because last year he averaged 20 also. Yeah, no, and Julius Randle, I mean, absolutely. I, mean, I could definitely, make, definitely see that. Um, I, mean, I remember meeting Derrick Rose years ago back when he was a rookie. And you love to see, at least I love to see, guys who come in are supposed to be the star. And for whatever reason, it doesn't, they, they, you know, yes, they got the MVP, but it doesn't exactly pan out the way that people thought it might pan out. And finding a second life in a different role and making it work. I mean, that, that to me is, is just, is just what, you, what you love to see about, you know, not just in basketball, but, but sports across the board. And so seeing that um, and having him do it for, for, the, for the Knicks is kind of special. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of jazzed by it. I remember, I remember when he wrecked his knee, you know, mm -hmm. soon after he won the most valuable player trophy. And I remember Tim Legler, our former colleague at ESPN, I remember Legs saying to me, you know, Derek Rose relies so much on his explosiveness that if he is not able to be explosive, he is not going to be the player that, you know, we've seen. But here's the thing. Now that he's 32 years old, I think over the years, he's probably gradually regained some of what he had, but he is now the crafty veteran who at his age wouldn't necessarily be that high-flying Derrick Rose oh, no. or that explosive Derrick Rose. He's now you know, playing the game more with his head, and it's almost like there's almost a certain Chris Paul vibe to him. I mean, Paul has been incredible, but with Derrick Rose, I mean, veteran, leader, not going to make stupid mistakes, takes, you know, takes his shots, makes his dimes. Um, I think that's been very underrated move by the Knicks. Yeah, no, definitely. And, yeah, I know, and I'm sorry. And I know that we have to talk about that other team in Brooklyn, right? The team that around the country people think is a big deal in New York, but you and I know in New York, they will never be higher than 1A and probably two in the NBA pecking order. Well, that, that is true, but um, I mean, look, New York also, like, they love themselves a championship. And, and uh, you know, if, if the, the sun, moon, stars were aligned, we've got some super moons coming up. If there could be an, an alignment of planets or some, something that would bring a certain, uh, a, I mean, but here's the thing. If a title were to come to New York City and it doesn't go to the Knicks, I mean, that, Oh, that would be that would be kind of crazy, and, and and I think it would be in a in a way it would be it would be great. I mean, the the competitive spirit and fire that would be going on that would, that would be awesome.
I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So, I mean, is this even a, is this even a question? I mean, I'm going to ask it anyway. If the Knicks and the Net, and Nets were to meet in the playoffs, who would you like? <laughs> well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give the Knicks a puncher's chance, but I mean, in, a, in that series, you got to go with the Nets. But, um, you know, like we've always said time and time again, uh, when you can play defense, you can win on a night where your shot isn't falling. And I don't know that the Nets can win a game if they're not scoring a bunch of points, but because we've never seen it, they score 140 every night, it seems. So mm. anyway, a Knicks-Nets Eastern Conference Finals and a Lakers-Clippers Western Conference Finals would guarantee an LA-New York NBA Final, <laughs> something that our guest coming up next, Amina Smith with NBC Sports Boston, would probably not really want to see, maybe. Joining us to talk what's happening with the Celtics is the host of Celtics Post Up and the Celtics Talk podcast with Chris Forsberg, who we'll get to in just a second, NBC Sports Boston's Amina Smith. Amina, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm excited. Okay. So Otto and I both used to work with Chris Forsberg back in our ESPN days, okay? But my question for you is this. We're going to start out, topic number one is going to be drip. Chris Forsberg, who is his fashion consultant? What can you tell us? Give it up, Amina. I mean, you wouldn't believe it, but from, from what I know, it's him. He's pulling out all the outfits, pulling out the bow ties, pulling out the blazers. You know, he's getting a little daring with some patterns and everything like that. Kind of pretty much the framework of the NBA, the fashion that we see, we see Forsberg doing. So I think he's doing a good job with the drip. I like it. <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, speaking of drip, uh, not 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 in the positive way. The Celtics look like a bunch of drips on Sunday, unfortunately, when they went up against Charlotte. And I, and and people who listen to this show know that I'm a diehard Celtics fan, and I'm I'm totally in their corner. But Amina, that was that was a that was tough to watch. Yeah, no, it was absolutely tough to watch. I think the big thing for me was that it was disappointing because, you know, I look at this team and I know there's a lot of talent on this roster. However, they just have not been able to put it all together on the court, especially with them getting so close to the playoffs. This season, like, health has been a huge issue for them, right? COVID-19 hit this team very hard. You got some people with injuries. You know, Kemba Walker, he can't play back-to-back. Jason Tatum, sometimes he shows up, sometimes he doesn't show up to the game. It just depends. I, I like The way I describe it is, like, this team is really like a box of chocolates. Like, I don't know what I'm going to get every time they hit the court. I mean, you look at the game on Sunday, I see it coming up. I'm like, okay, sure, that should be a W. I get home, I watch this game, and it's just sloppy defense, no offense. Like, like, Jason Tatum doesn't show up. It's just, I don't understand what's going on. And then you look at that Charlotte team, they had four players that scored 20 or more points. Like, that should have been the Boston Celtics. That's the type of team that they, that's the kind of game that they should have been playing with 11 games left, you know, to the playoffs. So, I mean, it was very disappointing. I was thinking that they should have won. But again, these are the same things that have come up time and time again watching these games, especially turnovers also. Big storyline in that game as well. I mean, these are the things that are going to just hold them back as they get closer to the playoffs. So, Amina, don't, don't let uh, Bruce fool you here. So when we say big fan, like he was right. So, all right, I'll, I'll give it to you straight. I grew uh-huh. up on Long Island. So okay. I kind of grew, grew up a Knicks fan. Uh, these were the days. These were the days because I'm 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 that old. These were the days when the Nets were jer- were a Jersey team, 
if you mm-hmm. know now now would be you know now it's it's in vogue to of course be a Nets fan but but and Knicks fan but but back in the day it was a Knicks fan so we, Bruce and I were, were going back and forth a little bit and he said oh yeah the, the Knicks and the Knicks and Celtics aren't going to be in the same place for, for very much longer this is back when they were neck and neck and you know what he's right the only difference is the Celtics are underneath the Knicks are on top. <laughs> so you, you know what so I'm, a, I'm originally from Brooklyn so yeah. I'm not gonna lie I'm right there with you it's hard for me because I'm covering the Celtics but the Knicks are on a nine-game win streak, and I am very excited. I'm not gonna lie. I was I'm ba- I was back in New York. I was a junior Nick. This is how way back I'm going. I was a junior Nick. I played no. basketball at MSG, and look, the Knicks are New York City's team. Okay, let's just be clear. Even though the Nets came to Brooklyn, they were always a Jersey team, and they're a sexy team to cheer for right now. But no. I'm gonna let you know, the Knicks. That's New York City's team. So, so if you're old enough, the Knicks were a long. I'm, rather, I'm sorry, the Nets were a Long Island team. We're going to take it all the oh, way see, back. I'm not, I'm not that old. Now. <laughs> I know, I know, you, I know you're not. I know you're not, and neither am I. But, but, uh, but so, so, so here's the thing. Like, I'm wondering is, I, I want to keep the spotlight on the on the Celtics. You know, when you look. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Sunday was a disaster. You know, they, they played the Nets tough. Uh, they had they, they had a, a great win against against a, a hot. Phoenix Suns team. Um, so like, where, where do you think that they're actually going to land here? You know, it's tough. When I look at it, if you would have asked me about like two, three weeks ago, I would have said that they'd probably be that fourth or fifth seed right now with them sitting at six. And I'm looking at how like the Bucks are playing, how Philly's playing, how Brooklyn is, how Brooklyn is playing without KD or Kyrie or, you know, with all of them, James Harden all together. Mm-hmm. It makes me worry a little bit, even looking at the Knicks in Atlanta and seeing how they're playing, looking, how, looking at how Atlanta's playing without Trey Young looking at how the Knicks are playing with Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett, like, it's very scary in the East, especially with all these teams being back-to-back-to-back. It's very jumbled up in that Eastern Conference standings, and I feel like if the Celtics really don't get it together and really play out these last 11 games to the best of their ability, they're going to find themselves in a position that they don't want to be in, especially Celtics fans. They do not want to see them in that play-in tournament, but if they play the way that they, can, that they played on Sunday – we might see them in that playing tournament. I don't want to see them in that playing tournament, but the way they're they're tracking right now, if they don't get it together for these this last stretch, it's not looking good. You know, the the COVID has taken a pretty severe toll on a lot of teams around the NBA. So it isn't just Boston, but Boston in particular. I mean, Tatum was suffering after effects of it. Evan Fournier, since he's been on the team, has had you know the toughest time I think of any mm-hmm. guy in the league, pretty much as far as trying to you know, get get healthy and get on track. So I think, unfortunately for Boston, I mean, they have enough talent, even right now, to be the number four seed. But the way things are going, they can't even set up a rotation right now. I mean, Robert Williams, you know, it has become a really important part of their team, especially after they traded Daniel Tice. I mean, mm-hmm. they were really going to be relying on him. Tristan Thompson's a very nice player. To me, Tristan should be the backup. Rob should be the starter. But right now, everybody's got to step up, and it's been tough. So I, my concern with them is that even if, you know, they they have a few good games, they're not going to really have a settled sort of set of roles for the postseason. And in the mm-hmm. postseason, the game slows down. The rotations get a little bit shorter. And I think Brad's really going to have his hands full. Yeah, I think that's the thing is also trying to figure out what this team is going to look like in the playoffs. So on our Celtics Pod Talk podcast, you know, we kind of bring up all these hypotheticals and we're like, you know, if this team is healthy, then they're going to go deep in the playoffs. So this is going to be a great team in the playoffs. Like they could they could actually contend. 
But if they haven't been healthy all season long and they haven't been bringing their A game all season long, what makes us think that they're going to magically do it for the playoffs? I think that, again, health is going to be a really big concern with this team moving forward. And then also that bench. They tried to make the bench better, you know, by bringing on Jabari Parker, right? And because of that abysmal showing that they had against the Lakers, like, oh, my God, the, the bench did an awful job. And they bring on Jabari Parker. And, you know, I don't think they'll get that, that deep into the bench once the playoffs get here. But still, it's just like, you know, they got to figure it out. Like chemistry has been an issue, you know, finding their identity has been an issue. And then you kind of think that they did at some point, like a couple weeks ago when they went on that road trip and they won all three out West and they come back to TD garden and they win a game, you know, they went against the, the Suns, and you think they figured it out, but then they have a game like how they did against the Hornets on Sunday. And it's like, all right, maybe they didn't figure it out. Maybe they're still trying to, you know, get this thing going. But I think the big key is going to be a staying healthy but then also the superstars bring in their A game every single night. You got to bring 110% every single night. And I think that's the thing that they're lacking. Like the big thing with Jason Tatum has been that, you know, he's a superstar, but you got to be a superstar game in and game out. You can't pick which nights that you want to be a superstar, you know? And I think that's the biggest issue. You know, when you look at Jason Tatum, I think the talent is there, you know, but, you know, you're the $195 million guy you're going to have to be the $195 million guy every single night you're on the court. So I think that's another glaring issue with this team as well. So, you know, let's, let's say things don't go exactly as planned and then they, and they kind of play out the season, the way, the way they're going. And I'm just looking, they got two games against the heat. Now they're both at home. Uh, they mm -hmm. got the Blazers also at home, uh, you know, Hornets again. So, you know, they've got some, they've got some games against teams that are trying to, take what they have, so to speak, because these are, these, are, these are three games against teams that are, that are underneath them. Mm -hmm. So, like, I, I, look, if, if, if the worst happens and they get to a seven seed or an eight seed, I feel like you know, they would be in a great place. I feel like everyone's A game is going to be just, like, pop out of nowhere, just like, like in the bubble, just, just bring it up to Boston. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, 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 and so the problem for, for me is, that, I mean, not so much as a Celtics fan, like, I look at the standings, like, if you're the Sixers and, like, they're going through a little mini tailspin right now. If if the I don't know. I mean, look, if, if the Celtics wind up in the seventh seed and you're the Sixers, like you if you're Boston, you gotta think like, okay, we that's that's something that's something that we would want. I, I at least I think I feel like maybe not the Sixers from you know earlier in the season. But right. I mean but do you, I mean at least what I'm showing what they're showing right now, do you do you feel like what what do you think the first, best first round matchup would be for them? Assuming they get, you know, wherever they may fall. I think the best first round matchup. Okay, let's let's start with what I would feel uncomfortable with. Obviously, them playing Brooklyn would be very uncomfortable for me. Even playing the Bucks, I feel like will be uncomfortable for me because I think that's going to be a challenge. I think that Mike Budenholzer is under fire right now. We want to see this team perform in the postseason, which they haven't done. And I think that they they're playing for a lot right now. I think that the Bucks are definitely playing for a lot, and that's not a team that the Celtics want to see, especially in that first round. Um, Philly. I don't think that's a team that they want to see in that first round. I still, even though they're going through that mini tailspin right now, the, the matchups that they've had against Philly as of late just have not worked in Boston's favor. And I just think that Joel Embiid, I think once he gets to the playoffs as well, like he's going to be mm. playing at a different level too. And I don't think that Boston wants to see that. Um, the Heat also, they kind of scare me. I'm not going to lie. This, the Heat will always scare me. Like if they end up, you know, facing the Heat uh, in, in the playoffs, it's just, 
you know, that's a team that's going to, that's going to play you tooth and nail. They're going to fight to the death. Like that's, well, that's a description that, that but, I look at when I, when I think of the Miami Heat. But you got to play somebody. <laughs> you gotta, yeah, you got to play somebody. You do, you do. I mean, but that's the thing. That's why it's just like, okay, they have to show, they have to show that they have at least the, the ump. I feel like that's what they lack. They lack that, that aggression. They lack that focus on the court. And that's what makes it so scary with them going, even going, it doesn't even matter who they play in the playoffs, to be honest. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. Just based off of the sample size that we're seeing in these last several games, if they take that attitude and they take that body language and they take that, the game that they're bringing in these last several games to the playoffs, they're not going to survive. They're not going to come out that first round. It doesn't matter how good the team is, how talented the team is. If you take the body language and the attitude, even like on defense on Sunday playing the Hornets, oh my gosh, when Terry Rozier came out and, you know, stole the ball from uh, the pass that, that Tatum was doing. And I mean, like, what are we doing on the court? Like, what's happening? Like, you got to be on point. You got to have aggression. You got to be dialed in. And they're not dialed in. And that's a problem. That was one of the worst turnovers I can ever remember seeing. Awful. Because it was like Jason Tatum just went, I mean, it was about, it was such a careless pass and he used to play with Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier is one of the quickest guys in the league. You know, you can't, you can't roll like that against a guy like Terry Rozier, but you know, I feel some of, some of the problems that we've seen with them, the, 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 not that turnover, that turnover was just an abomination, but a lot of their turnovers, you can see guys looking like, I thought you were going to be there and I threw the pass there. And then when you mm -hmm. weren't there, I was, that's where the playoff that's where they won't last long in the playoffs because they haven't played together yep they don't even know where each other is going to be so maybe evan fournier can come out in the playoffs and just park himself in the corner and, and take jump that's probably what he's going to have to do because otherwise he's not going to know where to go and they're not going to know where to find him and i think part of the problem that they face is that, that this is there's no chemistry mm -hmm. on that team on offense there's some good individual games I mean, one of my favorite players of all time is Marcus Smart. You talk about a guy who who's the opposite of what that kind of we're too too cool for school mentality, mm -hmm. which is what Jason is sometimes. Marcus Smart has never thought he was too cool for school. He'll just go out there and grind. And and if they would follow his example, Amina, they would be so much better off. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge Marcus Smart fan, to be honest, since coming to the Boston market. I mean, what I've noticed between fans though, like on social, it's very polarizing. Marcus Smart is very polarizing on social media when it comes to Celtics Twitter. You have one side, they absolutely love him, and then you have another side is just like, they absolutely hate him and they want him to stop taking threes. They want him to stop taking shots, please stop doing it. But I, I just love the passion that Marcus Smart brings to the game. I love the passion that he brings on the defensive end of the floor. I love how he can bring this team together. And he brings that edge and aggression, to be honest, that not many of them have. I mean, I just don't see it. Like, they just don't – like, I know that Brad Stevens came out and he said that, you know, to not mistake Jason Tatum being quiet for him not being competitive. And I understand that. I totally get that there will be some guys who are not rah-rah and loud and, you know, they're not going to fire everybody up. But at least show me a little bit of something. It's just I need a little bit of body language. I need to know that, you know, you care about the game. A little bit of something. And Marcus Smart, he has that. And I think that he's, like, he is literally the glue for that team. He is the guy that gets everybody fired up and he can get them going. But you got to have more guys to buy in. You can't just have Marcus Smart, you know, get everybody fired up. Everybody has to want it if they really want to, you know, compete in the playoffs. So, I mean, where does this team 
go. And what I mean by that is, I mean, I, you know, I don't like, you know, like you heard me say earlier, I was a Knicks fan for a long time. So I'm used yeah. to getting dirt kicked on me in, in February and <laughs> March. But you know, and even though the, the, the timeline on the schedule is different, but, but I, I think you get my, my, my point here. And that is, this season, you know, it would probably take a miracle for them to kind of, you know, get deep into the playoffs in the Eastern oh, Conference. Yeah. And so, you know, this is a team that, that definitely, you know, that swagger that they had a couple of years ago where that you could almost pencil them in for, for Eastern Conference finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that feels gone, gone, you know, elusive. And so how do, so how do you get that back? Like, what, what, are the, what are the things that they need to do? I think they get that back. Well, let me go back because several, so several weeks ago when I first really started to dial in on Celtics games, you know, the conversation was, you know, and especially in the Boston media market, everybody's panicking, you know, they're, they're sitting at six in the East and everybody's like, oh my God, this season is over. We hate this. I'm like, but they are still could go to the playoffs. I'm like, what is the big deal? But the standard is just so high out there. You know, like they like this is a team that was in the Eastern Conference Finals last season. So they're expecting to be at the top of the East. So I think that when you take a look at this team, it's just, you know, like at the beginning of the season, and from an outside perspective, I knew that they weren't going to be like at the top. Like, let's be honest. Like we knew that this was going to be, you know, Brooklyn, you know, Milwaukee. Philly did surprise me a little bit, I'm not going to lie, but this was definitely, you know, Brooklyn and Milwaukee in the East. But, you know, I think for Boston, you know, just moving down the line, it's going to take them, you know, just really pulling it together. It's hard to build chemistry with 11 games left. I'm not going to lie. It's hard for them to build that. And we're at this point in the season, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how there was little room for error. Now there's definitely not any room for error with 11 games left on the schedule for them. So they almost have to play perfect in order to, you know, be at least in the mix in the Eastern Conference to, you know, at least get a good opponent in the first round. And I think the big thing that Celtics fans don't want to see, they just don't want to see this team lose in the first round. I think that's the biggest thing is that I feel like no one is really bought in on the fact that they're going to win you know, the Eastern Conference Finals, but I think their thing is, okay, well, if we're not going to do that, we just don't want to be embarrassed and lose in that first round. Hmm. Well, they, they, they have enough talent to maybe win in the first round, but you know what? If, if they don't have home court, then, you know, all, all bets are off. And, and you mentioned uh, Philadelphia before, or Otto may have. There's no way Boston can be Philadelphia as currently mm-hmm. constructed because Joel Embiid just destroys them. Joel mm-hmm. Embiid fouls out your entire front line, and he shoots like 82% from the line, which for a yep. center is unbelievably great. So, no, there's if Philly would probably sweep them. Maybe Boston could get one game, but it would go no more than five. But there is a must-win game tomorrow night. I mean, Oklahoma City. If the Celtics <laughs> can't beat Oklahoma Ooh. City tomorrow night, they might as well just, like, cancel the rest of the season because they're not even trying to win games at this point. I mean, I hope that that should be a W in the book, but let's not forget this is a team that went into overtime with the Timberwolves a couple weeks ago. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, like I said, it's a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get on any given night. But again, that should be a win for the Celtics. You know, it would be, again, very disappointing if they didn't win that game. But I think that would also be a telltale for what we're going to see as we get closer to the end of the season for this team. Do you feel, last question, do you feel, on any on any level that uh, the 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 way the season's going, or the amount of rest that guys had or, or didn't have, depending on your point mm-hmm. of view, 
is 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 causing any of any of this? I do think so. You know, I talked about that earlier on our Celtics Talk podcast about Jason Tatum and Brad Stevens saying that he does need to get some rest. But then you look at the schedule and you look at where this team is at right now. It's like, where does he get the rest? Because again, you go back to that margin of error. It's very slim. They do not have that much room to make mistakes. And I think that, you know, obviously Jason Tatum is a huge part of this team, a huge part of why, you know, this team also gets W's. So if he's not on the floor, that risks, you know, them losing a game, you know, falling back into Eastern Conference standings, and then, you know, those repercussions coming as we get into the playoffs, they're just not going to be good. So I think I do think that rest is going to play a big part. The big question, though, is where do you find that rest for your superstars? Well, Amina, excellent question. Good place for us to end. Thank you for spending time with us talking about your new favorite team. We're putting the heat <laughs> and, the, and the mix in the rearview mirror. You're going to be bleeding green. You're going to drink that green Kool-Aid because that's how it is in Boston, Amina. <laughs> thank you. So, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, guys. That was dope. <laughs> Let's just check out the Eastern Conference standings. So you got the, you know, the Knicks are sitting at, and, and look, you know, this is, all this is on a razor's edge. And so what we're saying now could easily flip in the next couple of hours when games were, were played. But, you know, the Knicks are, are four, the Hawks are five. I mean, did anyone see the Hawks rising up to a five seed? Ever since they fired Lloyd Pierce and brought in Nate McMillan on March 1st, they have the best record in the Eastern Conference, period. Yeah. They're 20 and seven, okay, yeah. since they yeah. switched coaches. We all knew Nate McMillan was a great coach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, and he is certainly showing it with this crew. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel so? So who who do you like coming out of the East? I mean, how do you see? How do you see? Or who? Or should I say, who do you see making the East? Because that's still not that's not a decision that hasn't been decided yet. I you know I always I always want to say Milwaukee because I like their team and I love the Greek Freak and I think the the moves they've done, but. I think, I think it's going to be Philadelphia. I'm still not buying Brooklyn. The reason is they've had, you know, uh, an injury issue where their chemistry situation hasn't exactly settled in. Plus, I'm just not sure, you know, I, I think, you know, Joel Embiid is like this weapon that nobody really has an answer for. Milwaukee probably comes the closest because mm -hmm. Philly has to account for Giannis. But I, I really, I see Philadelphia. I think Doc Rivers has done a really great job with them. Simmons has missed a bunch of games. He's been injured. So they've kind of stumbled a little bit lately. But if he gets himself back on track, um, Philly's got a lot of answers. Who do, who do you think's coming out of the East? Uh, well, you, you know from having, talk, you know, listening to Aaron and I talk, I mean, I, I, I still have a hard time. I mean, I, I believe everything you're saying about Philly. I really do. And I, at the same time, I, I want to see Brooklyn do it uh, for all kinds of reasons. I think, you know, the story would be great just to uh, see a different big three and then, you know, imagining whoever they face in the West. I mean, that would, that, there's so many possible storylines out of, out of that, but uh, you know, and then Milwaukee with all of their, their drama, uh, you know, will they, will they make it through? I, I I'm, I'm giving a slight, nod to Brooklyn, but I wouldn't be upset or nor surprised to see Philly walk, walk off with it. And, you know, uh, still kind of lurking out there because Miami's had injury mm -hmm. and COVID issues too. Yeah. That team, you know, 
to me, is always going to be dangerous. I mean, look, they came out of nowhere last year and they made it to the finals. You kind of knew they weren't going to beat the Lakers. But, yeah. I mean, they were, you know, Tyler Hero comes of age. Jimmy Butler was fantastic. Duncan Robinson. The Heat have really had to struggle this year. They've really only had one good stretch the entire season. From mid-February to mid-March, they won 11 out of 12 games. The rest of the season, they've been all up and down. They've had 17 different guys start a game for them. And the only guy on their team that's played all of their games going into Monday night, Duncan Robinson. So that's a team that, to me, they're always kind of lurking there. My, you know, the, you know, like a crocodile in the Everglades. <laughs> <right now>. <laughs> <laughs> they got big jaws. Ready to snap. Well, Ready to uh, snap. <laughs> exactly. What, so what are your thoughts on Charlotte? Well, after watching them on Sunday against Boston, when they hit like a million threes and never missed one, and that was without LaMelo Ball, who's going to probably still be Rookie of the Year, and Gordon Hayward, who was their $30 million a year mm -hmm. man, some of these younger guys on their team really showed. I mean, Devontae Graham, uh, P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges. I mean, those guys are playing hungry, and they're young, and they're athletic, and they look like they're well-coached. I don't think, you know, they're going to have the kind of shooting game they had they, yesterday or Sunday, rather, where they made 21 out of 43 on threes. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Uh, but look, Terry Rozier's got some playoff experience. And, and when those guys, you know, if they're back, you know, with, with Hayward and, and LaMelo, um, they got guys who can make shots in it and they got guys who can pass the ball, too. So with them, you know, is their defense going to be good enough, I suppose, is the big question. What were did, – did you have thoughts on the Hornets? I didn't have specific thoughts on the Hornets. I mean, I, I, I've, I've, I've watched a lot of Dallas Mavericks games, and we could, we could – you know, we can get into that. That's a whole other – that's a whole other <laughs> show. It feels like we've been, we've been, you know, just kind of sticking with the Eastern Conference. Like, so I, I, as the, as the play-ins draw near, are you feeling like – are you feeling like this is going to be a disaster or are you feeling like this is going to be a, a good thing that's going to help the game? I think it's going to be a good thing for the fans because one of the most important things is to keep as many teams in the hunt as late in the season as you can so that their games have meaning so that people will watch them on TV. Granted, attendance is sort of like a secondary thing at this point because of obvious reasons, but Anything that keeps, you know, 20% more NBA fans engaged right up to the bitter end is good for business, right? I mean, that stands to reason. Right. Yeah, I, I know. I, I, we've obviously been tracking all of the, the concern about uh, the, the, how players are being taxed and that you already, you already have a playoffs that are, that are pretty intense. And now you're basically adding a month, of, month more of intensity at a time when you know, players are being stretched, didn't get the full off season from last season. I mean, I, it's one of those, I think, I feel like we're all going to want to armchair quarterback it. What I mean by that is if, if nobody gets hurt, you know, no, the old no harm, no foul, nobody gets hurt, everyone will say, hey, no problem. It, it was great. If, on the other hand, there are, are, you know, ACL tears and sprains and things like that that happened in, those, in the last couple of weeks, then people are going to be pointing at each other saying, hey, why did we do this again? You know, so I, I, think the, I think it's a a jury still out kind of thing, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and while there are going to be, you know, five, six teams kind of middle of the pack to lower end in the East, um, I don't think any of them can beat 
Philly, Milwaukee, or Brooklyn. I mean, I don't see any other team coming out of the East than one of those three teams this year. What about my Knicks? <laughs> the Knicks would be the, the Knicks would have the, the puncher's chance. They would have the puncher's chance. The, the Knicks are, are the are the uh, are the Miami of, of last season. Is that is that we're, is that what we're thinking? Defense travels, Otto. You know this. Uh, defense, defense does travel. You know you can have a terrible shooting night and still win a game when you grind them down on defense. Yeah. Every great NBA team has always been a great defensive team, even when you didn't always look at that first. You know, defense. You can't win without defense. Yes, defense does travel. Defense also wins championships. But you know that is that is uh, something we will have to wait and see. But uh, Bruce, got anything else on your mind? Well, you know, when you're playing hard defense, a lot of times you get called for fouls, you know. And right now, uh, the men who call those fouls are, are going through a tough time also, Otto. I was reading a story on ESPN.com today about, uh, I think it was written by Baxter Holmes. I'm not 100% sure. I hope, I hope I'm right. Sorry if I'm not. Um, the COVID has really taken its toll on the officials in the NBA, uh, a lot of fans don't realize they fly commercial flights just like regular civilians, unlike the players and coaches who go charter, private plane, et cetera. And Otto, uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the teams have complained about the officiating this year. It turns out there's a pretty good reason for it. Uh, 24 out of the 73 working reps in the NBA have missed at least one game this year. And they've had to use a lot of extra G League referees on games, whatever. And a lot of people are, you know, have noticed. Yeah, that's, see, this, that's the one thing about put, you know, putting on games. It's not just a matter of making sure that you've got, you know, guys in green jerseys playing against guys in blue jerseys. You know, you need to make sure you got the guys and women in gray jerseys as well to make sure that, you know, stuff is going to be called. I mean, you know, look, the, the, the game has evolved to a point and players are so creative that, you know, you, you need three reps on the floor. I mean, sometimes I wonder if you need more than three on the floor based on some of the calls that we've seen this season. And it's just like, you know, there's, there's no way to, you know, at this point where, where the games matter more than they ever did, going into, you know, going into the, you know, the postseason or trying to, everyone's kind of jockeying. You really, you would hate to see games called or, or, or decided, I should say, based on, on you know, errant calls or, or, or blown calls or, or non-calls that actually should have been made. So like that, that, that whole thing will really be a killer and, a, and unfortunately a little bit of a stain on the season if, 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 if they can't kind of figure, figure that out. I don't know if this bugs you as much as it bugs me, but what, one of the things, and again, it's related, but it may not be a, a direct you know, result of the referee situation. It seems to me that now the coaches are doing a lot more challenges now, and these challenges are taking for ever to play out no. where we see it yeah. and it's just really crushing the pace of so many games especially towards the end of the game when you have like two three minutes or even longer while they try and figure it out and again I think a lot of that would still be taking place even if the refs were at full strength but it just seems like you know it's kind of a pile on and, and you know and, and I think you mentioned it before these players now they're so sophisticated and cute out there and when they have to go to a two-man crew, that's just so bad. Because these players, as I think you mentioned, they've learned how to, how to, how to you know, um, fool three-man crews. So they're probably getting away with some murder out there. Sorry <laughs> if that's, you know. 
inappropriate, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Little, you know, little things. And, and this is just, I, hopefully by the time the playoffs roll around, um, they, you know, they, they'll, they'll be a little bit more closer to full strength. But, you know, do these guys got to travel commercial? I mean, you know, this has got to be a big part of it. Well, I mean, what's what's the solve? You know, put them on the put them on the on the team plane like that. That feels like that would be you know, I I I, I, could, I could see what would happen or what would be said if an NBA official was flying on a certain team's plane and you know, pick whatever team you want. The other team is gonna you know cry cry like, wait, wait a minute, what's going on here? So well, that wouldn't really work anyway, though, would yeah. it? Because the reps go from city to city. The teams go, you know, they're not playing. You know, they're not traveling to the same places as the teams. It's a nice thought. It's like, yeah. hey, it's like hitchhiking, you know. Back yeah. remember people used to hitchhike. It's uh, like, hey, I got a bummer ride to Cleveland. Can I come with you guys and I'll then I'll take the train to Chicago? So I ain't gonna lie, I saw somebody I was on the road the other day. I saw somebody, you know, hitching a ride and I thought, are you out of your mind? I mean, like I I I don't know the situation. I don't know the guy, I don't know what was going on, but you know, car broke down or what have you, who knows? But but man, that's that's a wrong, it's <laughs> the wrong time to be trying to thought ride during during COVID time. It's like Oh, have vaccine will travel, I guess. Preach. <laughs> All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. All right, Otto, it's time to wrap things up for this week. Thanks to our guest, Amina Smith from NBC Sports Boston, for giving her thoughts on the state of the Celtics. Amina is still kind of a newcomer to Boston, only having been around less than two months. But she's really on the ball, and we know that she's going to just keep killing it for NBC Boston. So thanks to you, Amina, for being with us. Thanks also to our producer, Dan Kramer, and our editor, Kristen Woolley. Please check out all of our Pure Hoops media shows. This week on The Mike Wise Show, Fran Fraschilla joins Mike and gives us his expertise on how international basketball is changing the NBA. Full court with Fisher and Kay, always with the great college hoop talk. Monica McNutt and King McClure have buckets, boards, and blocks every Thursday. BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops podcast on Friday. And Aaron Berlin, the man who I have tied up in the back room, which is why I'm doing the show tonight, he'll be back with Otto next Tuesday with Catch and Shoot 2.0. Otto, you're up. Okay, well, look, our big hope for this year continues to be that we hope that every person on the planet gets the COVID vaccine so we can finally put this pandemic to an end. We're not there yet, folks, so you got to protect yourself and others by wearing a mask, washing your hands, and social distancing. And please don't forget the medical professionals and the other frontline workers who are doing their part to keep us all safe. And thanks again to Bruce Bernstein, my co-host this week, filling in for Aaron Berlin, who will return next week. For Bruce, I'm Otto Strong. Take care, everybody. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.